Welcome everybody, I'm Sheila. And I'm Amy. We are longtime friends, short-time business owners, part-time gin drinkers, all the time karaoke masters, and brand new podcasters. Join us as we interview whoever we want, about whatever we want, because we, we bought, bought a mic. mic. This time on We Bought a Mic, we are joined by our friend, Julie Connor. Julie grew up in Topeka in a family of six girls, and she's had a 30-year career in the financial world. That's taken her from the Little Apple to the Big Apple, and finally back home to Topeka. She's a dedicated volunteer, an avid art collector, and a new empty nester. Hope you'll listen as Julie takes her turn on the mic. Well, welcome to our second podcast of We Bought a Mic. And we're excited to welcome Julie Connor. Hi, Julie. Hello. Well, we are friends, and we've been friends for a while. But Amy and I were trying to remember how we met. Wait, right. Joey and John played soccer. Okay, and we were over at Gage Park. Yes, I have a picture. Yes, that was that. That was when we wore long shorts. We were not attractive. <laughs> I I remember that <laughs> I picture. Were. And then you, we had boys at preschool together. Yeah, they were tiny. Yeah. What preschool? First Christian. First Christian. Yes. Yeah, we go way back. Yeah. Um, but you have always lived, or you were born in Topeka. Well, I was actually born in Lincoln, Nebraska. <gasps> really? Yes, but I moved here when I was in first grade. What were you? What were your parents doing in Lincoln? My dad worked for Woodman Accident Life, and he got lured to Topeka from a gentleman that he knew through that Ch Chuck Tantillo, the Tantillo family, and he and my dad joined and formed an agency and we all moved here. Um, five of us were born. I have six, five sisters. The little one was born here, but the rest of us were born in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. So where are you in the birth order? I'm number two. Number two. Yes. But I'm number one. Oh, right with the sisters. <laughs> um, and how far apart are you and your oldest sister? 11 months. Okay. So some people might argue that you share that first. Yes. First child tendencies. I, I agree. That's yes. Irish twins, right? Yes, Irish twins. And then my next sister and I are 12 months, one week. So what is that? Three kids under two? Yes. And then the next sister, number four, was... 12 months, two weeks. Gosh. Wow. And then number five? There was a couple year break and then another couple year break for number six. So what is the total age difference between the oldest and the youngest? Nine years. So nine. Okay. Busy house. Very busy. What are some of your best memories of growing up? There was lots of chaos. In fact, this weekend over Easter, my older sister was in town and we were talking about the girls getting ready before our mother woke up because she was not a morning person. So we would try to stay quiet, get out of the house before she woke up. But we all shared clothes, borrowed my mother's clothes. She was very fashionable at the time. And it was just chaos at nighttime. We would call who got to take the bath first and two people shared a bath and the next two added water to the bathtub. Okay. Right. How many bathrooms? We had one and a half baths. Oh, wow. wow. So everyone really shared the shower. Bath. Dad had his own bath. Well, it had a stall shower. It was on the main floor. That was my dad's bathroom. And all of us girls had the upstairs bathroom with my mother. Busy mornings. Very. Uh, were there fights in the morning? Not in the morning, but there was a lot of fighting. Well, like <laughs> no fighting over clothes? Yes, there was. With us older, like three. Okay, six sisters. What are their names? Beth, she's the oldest, then me, then Lori, um, and then Patty, Mary, and then Kathleen is the youngest. 
Um, and Kathleen, we got to name. So the five of us got to pick her name and we narrowed it down to Kathleen and Catherine. And we picked Kathleen, which to this day she thanks us for. And then her nickname is Wiener because we called her Kathleen. Then we called her Kathleen Wiener and then it became Wiener and she loves it. Well, Potwin has always seemed to be its own little community between uh, the parades and Halloween and the Christmas decorations. So uh, tell me what it was like growing up in Potwin. Well, we moved to Potwin when I was going to start sixth grade. We had lived right across from Randolph Elementary prior to that, but we grew out of the house that we were living in then. And so my parents narrowed it down to three houses. One was in Potwin, one was in Westboro, and one was outside of Topeka. And we all loved the Potwin home. We prayed that they would pick that one. And we got to pick rooms by order of age. And there was a third floor, finished third floor that had two rooms in it. And Beth and I picked the third floor and her bedroom was, you had to walk through mine to get to hers, which was really annoying, but we did have our own private space, which was nice. And then on the second floor, there were three bedrooms. So two sisters shared one and two sisters shared the other. And then my parents had the other one. And it was awesome. Like the very first day we moved in, kids came to our front yard and introduced themselves to us. And we became fast friends with, you know, people from day one, which was wonderful. We walked to Potwin Elementary, then we walked to Roosevelt Junior High. And and that was back before the Halloween deal was not as big as it is mm-hmm. now. Like it was truly like a neighborhood event where people came to, but they didn't come in busloads from all over the city. Right. So, um, but the 4th of July was the best because we did um, Greenwood versus Woodlawn softball mm-hmm. every year. And Greenwood always won. That was our street Greenwood. <laughs> and I didn't play. I was a cheerleader because I am not athletic. And so did you go to Topeka High? I did. Okay. And I loved Topeka High. I have a lot of friendships from high school, not from the neighborhood that are still good friendships to, you know, through today. And I had fun at Topeka High. I was a nerd and very much involved in theater, which I love. Well, little did they know that you would be a Broadway star. Of course. So that was the beginning. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but (laughs) you were on Broadway. Well, off Broadway. Off Broadway. But it was an equity theater. So it's where people that really wanted to make it in theater and um, in acting would go and audition. And I auditioned, you know, right up against women that had been in on Broadway and some in theater, you know, on television and movies. And, and I did that when I moved to New York, just to meet people. Because when I moved to New York, I knew my sister Beth and one other girl, and I just wanted to meet people. And I thought, what a better way than doing it on stage, singing something that I love to do. And I made, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember what you did in your audition? Well, the crazy thing is they said, bring a upbeat Broadway song. And I brought Father's Eyes from Amy Grant. It was as far <laughs> from what they wanted, but it was a song that I knew. And I brought it and I sang it. I remember the acoustics were phenomenal. And it was, I think, one of the best solo performances of my life. And I got the part. <laughs> It was, you know, it was not a very long run, four weekends. My sister Beth, who lived in New York, and her um, boss came to every single show, which is pretty cool. Yeah. When you went out on stage, was like your adrenaline. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. What did it feel like to be on stage? I get nervous when I get on stage. But then once you start singing, you just kind of forget. You just kind of get lost in the moment. Are you interested at all in getting any more parts? I'm really not. I am the first to admit that my voice is not what it used to be. And nothing 
irritates me more than singers who sing beyond their their lifespan of their voice on stage no performers i mean you I can feel like that was, no 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 that you was a pointed like, statement no you, you, when you sing for fun it's one thing but when you're performing and you know that your voice is not strong you're irritating your audience right and i don't yeah. want to be that person so voices change oh well. yes yeah Okay, we've been kind of jumping around because I took you to your Broadway years, but once you left Topeka, where did you go to college? K-State. And there what, were, what, why did you choose K-State? There was never another thought in my mind. I mean, my parents didn't really encourage us to look outside of the state, and we were big K-State fans, so I went to K-State, majored in finance because my dad was in business. He thought it would be a good degree for me, and I just went into finance. And it was a good degree for you, It was right? a great degree for me. Yeah. And I have a minor in French, um, which, you know, was useless, really. Except for when I was in Italy, I spoke French because <laughs> they didn't care that I didn't have a French accent, whereas in France, they did. Um, but K-State was good, but I was ready to get out of Kansas when I graduated. And so you graduated with finance and you headed to Colorado. What'd you do? I worked in finance. I worked for a trust company. It was back when the re retirement industry was changing and you could start having individual retirement accounts and we managed IRAs. And a gentleman that I met while working there was really a catalyst for me moving to New York. So I moved to Denver for two years, then moved to New York for four years, then I moved back to Denver. And when I moved back, I transferred with a company I had worked with in New York City, which was Charles Schwab, and they moved me back because I knew I wanted to get back there. And in four years in New York, I had a couple New York stories of getting mugged at gunpoint, getting shot with a BB gun at close range, what? flashed on the subway multiple times. And I have a sister that lives has lived there for 30 years and has never had a single incident <laughs> like that. So I figured the black cloud was following me around New York and I needed to go back to Denver. So I did go back to Denver and worked in the finance industry for another 10 or so years, took a year off because I had some money saved and I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I day traded for a good part of a year and I got bored with that. And I thought I'm single and I want to meet a nice young man. And I thought where better than Home Depot <laughs> because I was going to meet some handsome construction worker or architect that was going to come through my cashier line. Uh, so you were completely overqualified. Yes, I was. <laughs> how how long was it fun? Well, the first day I dressed up and I wore heels and I stood <laughs> on a concrete floor all day and I didn't think I'd be able to walk after that. But I, I stayed there for a couple months. And the funny thing is a friend who is now my husband moved back to Colorado at the same time. He didn't have a job. And I said, come work at Home Depot. <laughs> so he came to Home Depot, applied for the very same job that I had, and he got offered more money an hour, which mm -hmm. I find very, very um, disappointing based on our qualifications. He claims it is because he did have cashiering experience, <laughs> which I also did, but he did get paid more an hour. I call that, you know, well, it's just, inequality. It's, right, inequality. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. However, you did meet your husband. But I already <laughs> knew him then, but we just happened to work at Home Depot. Oh, right. okay. Until one day I decided it was no longer for me, and I just didn't go back. 
And the funny thing is, Phil was still working there, and everyone would come up to him and say, what's happened to Julie? She seems so happy here. <laughs> to which he was like, Julie is not coming back. <laughs> so, yes, that was my little brief stint at Home Depot, and then I rejoined the working world and have been back in finance ever since. Uh, but now you have your own company. I do. I have a very small independent um, investment company. I am a registered investment advisor. I do financial planning. Um, I have a very small but um, selective client base. You know, the beauty of this job is it's allowed me to really be part of my son's, you know, growing up and being able to attend events of his. You know, the one thing I remember growing up is my dad was an insur in the insurance business, ran his own company, and he never missed anything we girls did. And I remember how much that meant to me that he was there. And I knew that I would never want to miss what Joey was doing. And it's allowed me the opportunity to be more involved in the community because I have time. And it's a great way for me to not really market myself because I, I'm, I'm not trying to actively grow my business, but I also want to be in the community and if people need my services to know that I'm out there, but more importantly, what could I do to help in the community? Well, that's one of the things we wanted to ask you about because I know that you've been really involved with a lot of organizations over the years. Is that something that you, giving back and being involved in um, philanthropic things, is that something that you grew up witnessing from your parents or just something that you made a conscious decision that you were gonna gonna do yeah my parents were always about you know giving back and doing good things in the community my mother because she didn't have to work you know outside of raising six crazy daughters <laughs> really did a lot of volunteering so that was something that we grew up you know knowing about you know the junior league is really the first thing i did when i moved back to topeka because i wanted to meet people you know right. even though i grew up here when I moved back, I was really an adult and most of the people I knew were gone and, and I needed girlfriends. So that yeah. was um, one of the reasons to join the junior league in addition to all the good things that they were doing in the community. The, the most interesting thing that I became involved with when I first moved back, like within the month after I moved back, there was an event by the American Cancer Society called Purse Lunch or lunch Lunches and Purses. It was on a Sunday at Washburn University and women in the community filled up a, like a used purse with some fun little items and they had an auction and it was, you know, Sunday afternoon, they couldn't serve red wine because the carpet was white, which was for me, you know, big, you know, no, no, because I'm a red wine drinker, but, and so, you know, be careful what you wish for, because I said, I think it could be better in the next year. My sister, Mary and I were chairing it right. and we recreated it and it is now couture for cancer. You know, the very first year I was here, a good friend of the family's husband was diagnosed with ALS and they didn't have a lot of um, disposable income and they had a lot of expenses. So Mary and I, with a couple other people, did an event. We called it Art for Eric and we went around the Topeka community and had people donate art and we created an art auction to raise money for this family so just, I see a need and I try to figure out who can I get to join my bandwagon and, and make something happen. So Julie, you were in the New York Times in a McDonald's commercial, is that right? Yes. What were you um, doing? <laughs> well, down on Wall Street, there was a McDonald's and this was back before all McDonald's had cappuccino machines and they were the first McDonald's to get one. 
And the owner of this particular McDonald's knew my coworker and I because we were frequent guests of that McDonald's. However, we were there enough that the manager asked if we would be willing to have our pictures taken drinking this new cappuccino that they were serving. And lo and behold, we were in the New, the new York Times. So you were also in the Topeka Capital Journal recently before anyone could get masks for the COVID. You and your mom started making masks, right? Yes. And that kind of came out. Here's my mother who likes to conjure up things that we can do. And then like me, she looks for, you know, innocent bystanders <laughs> to join the force. And she and I decided to make masks because there was a need early on for essential workers because we couldn't get masks. So we started mass producing masks in my dining room. Um, and we had people coming to my front doorstep at all hours of the day, picking up masks. Um, I was one of them. Yes. So how many sewing machines did you have running? Well, we only had one machine running. We had about four machines that people brought to our house. The crazy thing is we decided to sew masks, but yet neither my mother or I had a sewing <laughs> machine. So we set out an ask and we ended up getting four, but I did all the sewing. My mother did all the pinning. And then my sister Mary helped when she could by doing some of the ironing and whatnot. But we had a pretty good production going and we made, gosh, I, I think upwards of 350. We made them all out of the same fabric because we thought it would be really cool if we saw them around town, we would know that they were right. our masks. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I did see people out and about. In fact, your son was wearing one at the Hayden graduation. Yes. Kind of your calling card. Yes. And yes. you put a little heart on it too. We did. We put a little heart on each one, more as symbolic of the times and how hard it was for everyone. And just that was our little way to say, you know, we love you, you people out there working hard and protecting, you know, our community. Well, speaking of community and always giving back to the community, you did receive one of the highest awards that, you, that the Junior League offers. It's called the Gold Rose Award. It is given out annually to a member that has given to the community through volunteering. And it was always my goal when I was an active member to be a Gold Rose recipient. That was a really great moment for me. So Julie, anybody who's been to your house and walks in just uh, can tell that you love art. Did you have art growing up in your home and what, what, what piqued your interest? So we did have art growing up at our house and a lot of original art that my parents would get when they traveled. When I became a young adult, every piece of art I had was a framed poster where the frame costs more than the poster. And when Bill and I moved here, we decided that instead of buying gifts for each other, we would start buying art because we didn't really need anything that we didn't, wouldn't just go out and buy for ourselves. And art was something that we knew would be a good investment, not from a financial side, but just something that would be meaningful that we would have in our house that we could enjoy. So we started doing that. The very first piece of art that we ever bought together and our tastes are very different, was a piece we bought at Art for Eric. And the cool thing about this piece was Robert Alt was a Topeka artist and, you know, very well known in Topeka, had some pretty modern, I'm, I'm more into modern or contemporary art where Bill was more into traditional art. And I was making calls for art and this lovely woman, Nancy Cherry, who was well known in Topeka at the time, had bought a piece of art from Robert Alt while he was alive. And it was big. It's probably four feet by three feet, maybe a little bigger. And she moved to Brewster Place and didn't have a place for it and heard about art for Eric and wanted to donate it to that event. 
And the minute I picked it up, I thought, please let me buy this at the event. But I didn't think Bill would like it. He loved it. And that piece of art is ours. So over the years, we've we've put together what I think is a nice collection of local artists or art that we'll find when we're traveling. I've bought some in my travels in Europe. What catches your eye? Is it color? Is it what makes you like a painting? There, it's so unique in what the individual piece is. It, there's just something about a picture that stands out and I'll look at hundreds of pieces and there's one that I'll just keep going back to and and none of them are the same like there's not a common theme um I do like the water what pictures of sailing and that might be the most prevalent in our collection because we were sailors and so we love the water it's a weird collection if you look at it holistically because it's all very very different but together it all works Okay, Julie, so one of our favorite things on our podcast is to ask 13 rapid-fire questions. First thing off the top of your head. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, number one, sweet or savory? Savory. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Dream vacation? Paris. Why? I love Paris. Paris. You've been there before? Yes. And you would love to go again? I want to bring Bill back. What was your first car? Dodge Camp. Oh. Oh, What? What? (laughs) Tell us more. Did you say camp? Dodge scamp. We oh, scamp. My mother's, my grandmother's husband died and we got his car. Dodge scamp. Did you have to share? Oh, yes. I can't even picture this. What does it look like? It's gold and it's kind of maybe four door, maybe two door, but it was cool. Oh, it was a cool it car. It was a cool car. How like many? What year? Oh, my gosh. This was back in the mid 70s. And they obviously don't make it anymore, so it must not have been that popular. Um, how many sisters did you have to share it with? Well, four of us drove to Topeka High. Well, three to Topeka High. We all shared cars. Yeah. The beauty is my dad had a little Fiat Spider that was a five-speed, and I was the only daughter that learned how to drive it, so I got it anytime I wanted it right. until the one day, like several years later, my one sister did learn. Lori learned how to drive it, and then I had to compete with her for it. Mm. Yeah. Dodge can't look it up. I'm going to. <laughs> you can't live without beauty product. Skin Medica face lotion. And no one can see Julie, but her skin is beautiful. Well, thank you. I work hard at it. <laughs> what is your favorite thing in your closet? My Birkenstocks. What do you keep on your bedside table? Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> For what? <laughs> For my sinuses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it? Oh, oh, I get to have more than one answer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, what is on your bed? Okay, a lamp, my Vicks Vapor Rub, my cell phone charger, my watch charger, a bottle, a glass of water. Okay, and Sheila insists that you're going to know what we're referring to when I ask you okay. this question. Red or white? Red. Book or binge? Oh, binge. What are you binging now? Breaking Bad. Oh, I've heard that's really it good. It is. What was your first job? I worked at the drugstore, the Potland Drugstore. As a cashier? I worked at the soda fountain. Who was your favorite teacher and why? Dean Burgess. He was my art teacher at Roosevelt Junior High School because he was so handsome. Do you have any phobias? Gosh, no. I really don't. Uh, Last question. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. For sure. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and a special thanks to Julie Connor. Be sure to subscribe to We Bought a Mic on your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is generously sponsored by Birdie Booth. Please check us out at birdiebooth.com for all of your photo booth needs. 
and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We'll see you on the other side of the mic.